You've worked hard for what you have, your money, your assets, your 401k and home. Isn't it all worth protecting? Nearly one in four consumers have been a victim of identity theft. LifeLock Ultimate Plus helps protect your finances with up to $3 million in reimbursement. LifeLock alerts you to identity threats you might miss. And if your identity is stolen, your dedicated U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. Let LifeLock help protect what you've worked so hard for. Save 25% off your first year on LifeLock Ultimate Plus at LifeLock.com slash aware. Terms apply. drops in you know it's time to begin and wherever you are whenever you are and however you happen to be listening we're so glad you've chosen to tune in to dlc especially if you are one of our geeks in sneaks using this podcast to power you through a workout or a run we're gonna be with you you can do it a little farther a little longer we got your back for 90 plus minutes of gaming goodness because dlc is your downloadable commentary for the week Delivered the way we love it to be, and that is completely free thanks to our sponsors this week, Quip and Linode. They're bringing the show to you, DLC, of course, the show all about games and their many forms, games played on desktops, laptops, and consoles, also games that involve dice, luck, and cardboard. I'm your host, Jeff Kanata, that's spelled with two N's and one T, and I'm joined, as always, by my friend, slash co-host, slash nemesis, the guy who's ready for the fireworks to start this week, Mr. Christian Spicer. Hello, Christian. Hey, everybody. I I need to announce up top that I just signed a four-year deal with the Brooklyn Nets. Um, Congrats, um, man. Wow. Yeah, I'm going to... I'm going to be 120th man on the team, (laughs) but I'm really looking forward to taking my talents to Brooklyn. Sweet, man. Sweet. Good stuff. Well, uh, I can't wait to see where that goes with your career, but we got, oh my God, we got so much to talk about this week. There's a lot of video game news to get through, uh, lots of really cool games. The summer is heating up, and there was a time when the summer was the the doldrums for video games. No longer. There's there's no off-season for video games anymore, so we got lots to talk about, and we have a fantastic guest to do it with. I have been wanting this guest for a long, long time, and I'm so excited to have him here. You know that DLC always stands for your downloadable Kanata and your downloadable Christian, but this week, oh man, I'm excited because DLC stands for dawning late on the clock because <laughs> from IGN's Up at Noon, as well as Beyond and the Comedy Button and Weird Heat and so many other things, we have Brian Altano with us for the first time. Welcome, Brian. Thank you so much for having me on. Oh, my pleasure. That was, so that was a hell of an intro. You guys you guys really go all in. We start big and then now it's, uh, you know, uh, Peter. Just Yeah, it's all downhill from here. <laughs> <laughs> I also, I love how many people listen to podcasts while exercising because that is like the literal opposite of podcasting. <laughs> it's so true. It's so amazing. People will like write in all the time and they're like, dude, I love I go to the gym every morning, I listen to your show, and I'm like, oh my God, that's great. I sit in one spot and <laughs> and talk and talk to funny people and it's it yeah. just works out. You don't you're not jogging in place right now? <laughs> <laughs> we gotta all get right. a system like that down. I think that's a good idea. 
let's yeah, let's, yeah. let's let's get that to market actually that's a like podcast while running we'll take all those <laughs> failed vr 360 treadmills and just make them into podcast <laughs> just like okay so what did you guys think this week about oh, oh god yeah that kind of thing like uh, it's like comedians on treadmill drinking coffee or something that, <laughs> there you go that sounds there so disgusting go. you will get exactly zero comedians to sign up for that but it'll be it'll be just it'll just be carrot top and uh you know one other super fit comedian that'll be yep. all it is yep uh, all right. Well, let's get the show going. We got to start the way we always do with story of the week. Story of the week. It's the story of the week. Story of the week. It's the story of the week. Story of the week is the part of the show where we make our case for the most important stories that happened in the world of games this week. And you can always submit stories for our consideration by sending us an email to dlcfeedback at gmail.com or by visiting our subreddit. That's 5x5dlc.reddit.com. Com. Brian, you are our guest, so you get first pick of stories. What would you consider to be your story of the week? I think we should do this Wall Street Journal uh, PlayStation 5 thing because that's a that's a good one. Yeah, it is. And, and sort of late breaking. It just happened mm-hmm. uh, a couple of days ago, I think. Um, we get uh, some interesting perspective from Sony chief executive uh, Kenichiro Yoshida on what the market for the PlayStation is is going to be. This was reported by the Wall Street Journal and has a few sources actually from Sony, a couple of unnamed sources, but it is uh, about their their plan for a marketing strategy for PlayStation 5. And evidently they are looking at the PlayStation 5, which we expect to be announced this coming year and come maybe holiday 2020, as being a niche product for serious gamers, the, the quote-unquote hardcore and the the people that want the best of the best, the, I always talk about them like Ferrari gamers, the Ferrari of video games. They are talking about uh, not reaching out to a broad general audience, but really targeting the people that want the best of the best and maybe even not focusing too much on indies anymore. Um, more shooting for that AAA, very graphically intensive exclusive that Sony has done very well with in the PlayStation 4 era. Um, what is your reaction to that, Brian? So I think it's both an incredibly smart move and also an incredibly stubborn move to just sort of come out and say, we're not interested in all of this stuff over here that is big and potentially you know, market-driven and important. We want to focus right here. Like That's good to hear as somebody who really appreciates big AAA third-party games and knowing that they might potentially look or play best on PlayStation 5. But to just straight up say like, hey, we don't, you know, indies are sort of secondary and uh, the casual market is secondary. I'm a full believer that all of those things have to come together in synchronicity to build the ecosystem for a console. And there was a couple of years there where Sony was like really ride or die for indies and it was super cool. We got a whole bunch of really original stuff that like seemed like it was having trouble getting to the finish line and Sony and PlayStation stepped in and was like, well, we're going to help you take your indie to the end here and finish with budgeting and and scoping and and we'll get it released and publishing and all that. And that was a really good time because I, I don't know if you guys play Nintendo switch, you know, that there's, a couple of AAA games, and then there's a bunch of small stuff to co- sort of spill, fill in, fill in the blanks. And it's wonderful, and it's great. Yeah, it's yeah. a it's a good time. And I what I appreciate that is that uh, when you go to the store on either of those platforms or any platform really, the the size of a of of a icon for an indie game is the same size as an icon for you know Horizon or Zelda. 
um, everything gets sort of equal real estate um, in a new release. And with PlayStation Plus, that was kind of a great place for a little while to get brand new indie games that you hadn't really heard of. And they've sort of driven that down to only two games per month. And I can see that they're probably, they probably lost a bunch of money focusing on indie games. It's sort of a lost leader because it, yeah. it looks cool and it's, it makes you seem like you're down to earth and like a good guy, <laughs> but like ultimately it's, it's not the best for business, but I think it's really healthy for an ecosystem on a console. I know this is the Wall Street Journal and not just some rag, right? But <laughs> part of me feels like this is a mountain out of a molehill. Yeah. This is real an entire article about how this is a big change of pace for the PlayStation. And I think – not to take anything away from the reporting that has been done here, uh, but it seems to me you could take this same statement – uh, that Yoshida is making and that is corroborated by other members of the of the Sony executive staff and kind of look at it like we understand what separates the consoles and we're looking at the Microsoft product, the Xbox, whatever it's going to be called, as our main competition. And in that sphere, AAA, big budget stuff is what is the biggest differentiator and we're going to put our chips on making those kinds of games. And it seems like they're reading into that in a way that says it's to the detriment. I mean, it'll be to the detriment of indies or that somehow this will be a big shift in strategy. And I kind of think that might be more bluster than reality. Like I can't imagine the PlayStation 5 will feel that different from the PlayStation 4 in library ultimately. But, I think you're right. You're th yeah. you're totally right. Yeah. Yeah. So Christian, what, what's your, what's your take on this article? Yeah. I feel like how it might feel different. It, well, I agree with you both. I don't think it'll feel different, but I think how it might be different is um, what Brian was talking about in terms of those games that otherwise maybe would come out and would get a champion in Sony aren't going to materialize. So, you know, you don't know you're missing them because there are still, too many games um and that's not gonna <laughs> you mean too many games that? thank you that's You're that's not gonna stop you gotta warn me man you gotta warn me, <laughs> <set> me <up. laughs> uh just every 15 seconds i feel like yeah. you're probably safe with that one um, <laughs> 15 <laughs> seconds perfect it's, great point it's, it's never not true so it's <laughs> <laughs> There's just an hour and a half of just that over and over again. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so I don't think you'll log into the PlayStation 5 store and, and you know, see tumbleweeds blowing by. Right. But there will be those games that things like um, Summer of Arcade for Microsoft and Xbox did or PlayStation games of play whatever theirs was called not some of our, their summer of arcade um, and so will you not see these amazing games that became I think it's a potential to create to make it harder for these incredible indie games to hit the status that some of them did in the past. The Fez, um, uh, Jonathan Blow, Braid, um, some of these games that got the hype and attention because they had it, it felt, at least to me, like this console manufacturer level backing. And to have that not happen as much, I do think is bad. Um, but I, I, I do think there will still be indies will flock to the system if that's the system most people own or a lot of people own because 
you know, you want to be at Walmart or whatever, right? You want to yeah. be on Amazon. You want to be where, where people are, are playing. Um, but it does feel a little bit to me as uh, a, a little PlayStation 3 era Sony. Like, <laughs> we're ca- we're the best, baby. Like, we got, we got this. Yeah. We're gonna You'll get a second best. job to buy our console. That, that's <laughs> yeah. yeah. It feels a little, a little cocky again to me. But they also, I think, are leaning into the successes of this current generation, where it was the God of War, Spider-Man, Last of Us Remastered, Uncharted yep. 4. I mean, they have been pummeling mm-hmm. these big budget exclusives that really differentiated their console from the PC or the Xbox. So I think it also makes sense to do that. It's just how you say it sometimes has ramifications you maybe didn't intend. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think that they get they get the sort of the goodwill of you opening up your PlayStation 5 store and seeing a bunch of indie games there because to be frank, if the system's successful, which it obviously will be unless something catastrophic happens at launch, um there are there will be a bunch of, of indie devs there and making indie games. But what I don't think you'll see as much is them sort of taking publishing dollars and putting it behind smaller studios to help them get their stories out. Yeah. Uh, and that's like something they were pretty big on back when Adam Boyd was around with the PlayStation. Right. That's, we, we saw stuff like the Unfinished Swan, and uh, I think even like there were a whole bunch of, like Guacamelee is one an, right. another one, or sort of like they're they're not necessarily funding these games in there entirely, but they're there to help them get to the finish line. And I think we'll see that go away. Ultimately, yeah. though, I mean, I, I look at a lot of the philosophy that Nintendo says, and they, they always say, because everybody always says at the beginning of these things, they're like, we're not competing with these people. And it's like, no, yeah, you are. Everyone is competing for time and money in the same way that we're you, Netflix is competing with my switch. I mean, those are two things that go well together, by the way, but uh, <laughs> yeah, right. aside from Netflix being on switch, which they don't go well together at all. <laughs> um, but the, the idea that these guys aren't competing with each other, like I, I don't necessarily feel that's true. And that, that was like part of this story too. So it's, it's sort of them saying we are, uh, we're going to we're going to continue to double down on these big AAA games like you guys were talking about, but I do think that the indie games will have to sort of find their own way onto PlayStation. Yeah, I think you guys both make excellent points, and and probably something I should have incorporated more into my thinking as well is that it's not it's not the the end result that'll be super different from a gamer's perspective in the sense that you know, all of these consoles are basically computers now. And so porting them to the different systems is, is easier and makes financial sense for the indie, indie developers. But you're right. It, fewer of these games will find uh, birth just because there are, th- this console manufacturer isn't providing that funding, providing that backing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that is, that is a major disappointment. I think that that is to the detriment of gamers. So yeah, I mean, maybe it will have a bigger impact impact that we may not even really know what could have been um, because they just, those games just won't be made. Right. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Uh, Christian Spicer, what is your story of the week? Well, I love this story. I think the PlayStation 5 is probably the biggest news breaking this week, but we speculated about this after, during or after E3 and from the latest issue of Edge magazine, we're getting a little clarification where creative director Clint Hawking talked about Watch Dogs, Watch Dog, Watch Dogs Legion. Is there an yeah, easy for you watch, to say. Yeah, Watch, watch dogs. dogs Legion. Yeah, uh, yeah, great. Okay, uh, how they have their huge cast of voice and various faces and selling this 
illusion of, you know, infinite people, more or less, a, a country or city full of people. And they're using modulation for the voice of the different actors who lent their voices to the game so they can change voices just enough to make it sound different and then vastly expand the roster. And they also he also talked about um, using photo grammatory. Yeah. 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 Photogrammetry. Mm-hmm. Photogrammetry. That looks okay. That's a word I'm learning as I go. Um, <laughs> but to tweak the faces, basically. So it's like you take a, a a score of photos still. I'm sure they used a lot of people, but then to change them just a bit to make everybody look unique. Uh, and then the other highlight of this that I think is really interesting is he said there are 20 different versions of Legion script. And I don't just mean people saying the same lines. Like, 20 different versions. So one, uh, I love little tricks where technology, you know, helps you sell the illusions and stuff like that. Two, how long am I going to play Watch Dogs Legion looking for the photogrammetry version of me? Like, when does the <laughs> algorithm... If you, if you go to meet enough NPCs, uh, eventually yes. you'll meet yourself. Yeah, it's Infinite monkeys, infinite typewriters, eventually <laughs> someone types my dumb face, right? Like, <laughs> yeah, maybe. Um, yeah, it's it's really fascinating. You're right. We were... We were scratching our heads at just the pure logistics of how this is going to be pulled off, how many voice actors they have to employ. And it's really fascinating that they're just uh, going to be, I mean, they're still going to be hiring a lot and having a lot of, of audio recorded for this game, but that there are tricks. There are technological uh, magic tricks that they can pull off to modulate the voice, to change it up and down. And because you're only ever going to do a portion of the game with a portion of the characters I guess it's smart enough to know not to repeat stuff. I I don't know. Maybe. Yeah. It's fascinating. Uh, Brian, what do you, what do you think about this? I think this is really crazy because this is sort of the, they're utilizing the type of technology that I feel like a, like a, a sort of, a, a terrorist hacker group would use in real life. I had that same thought. I had that same, it's like, like, this is like the uh, harbinger of doom for us all in this yeah. lovely video game, you know? Yeah, no, exactly. They're just like, they're, they're basically like, they're okay. We're, we're creating fake people and <laughs> yeah. they are, they have modulated voices and they sort of have like animated deep fake f- facial profiles <laughs> right. and you can use them to get into buildings and you're like, don't give anyone any idea. <laughs> yeah. You'll never know what's a real person and what isn't. Uh, all, <laughs> truth is dead uh we can invent humans and you'll never know that they weren't ever you know they're photorealistic humans that never existed and uh have a good time playing you know it's like it's uh yeah you're uh, hacking into a building you're actually hacking into that building thank you very you're like oh no i didn't mean to do that yeah it's it's like the uh you know the the black mirror episode of the video game designers that built the thing just for a game and it's actually you know the key to ending all life on earth no Um, totally totally um i I interviewed uh, Clint Hawking at E3 um, on our live show. He's uh, the creative director of the game, and he's like super fascinating dude. You can tell that he's they they sort of like pitched this concept a couple years ago, and then we're like, oh shit, we actually have to do this now. Yeah, how do we even do like, this? Yeah, it just seems like so much work. But one of the questions I asked him at E3, I was like, um, are there dogs in the game? And he was like, no, because if there are if there were dogs, you'd have to be able to to take control of them too. <laughs> Any life form? They just they made it any life form could be. I, yeah, I guess so, right? I I did not put that together. I would have been like, well, how about you can be any person in yeah. the game, but there's also still dogs. And he was like, nope, doesn't fit. 
It seems like an easy rule. I mean, I don't think I don't think anybody will be like I can't be the dog. Uh, no purchase for me. Uh, yeah, it seems it seems a lot easier than just killing all dogs in the game world. You know, yeah. If, if yeah. it walks, you can be it. That's in the code somewhere in the that's, game. So yeah, anything that rule. moves. Uh, that's I, wild. I would. I really hope they're making a very detailed behind the scenes for this project because I just I'm I'm fascinated by this. It is a little creepy and weird. It is a little black mirror-y for me, but mm-hmm. also super interesting. And what is the algorithm for overlap? And if I play the game, am I gonna be able to hear the uh, two different people say the same thing? And it's like what you know how we heard um, all the stuff you know Sean was saying from No Man's Sky about. Yep. how many crazy hours it would take for you to see the same planet or whatever. I want that same, you know, calculus for this game. I want to know what, what are the odds of running into someone that says the exact same sentence in like a slightly higher pitched voice or something, you know? Yeah. It, it kind of feels like they're sort of being a little skittish about how just totally awesome all of this is, because <laughs> I feel like if they say too much, a bunch of people are going to be like, that's not what you said it would do. <laughs> yeah, right. And <laughs> Which also is what always be, happens. There's going to be that YouTuber that makes it his life mission to find, you know, to break the matrix and find uh, the the two the two grandmas that sound exactly the same in the game world yep. or something, you know? Yep. Yeah. And then make and then he makes them meet. Um, yeah, right. Yeah, right. and they start a Golden Girls together. It's uh, a <laughs> what was what was really interesting about it was when you basically have this character select screen that looks like something from like Mortal Kombat 2 right. but it's it's all the characters you had like accumulated throughout the game but when they die they're just grayed out and so that kind of bums me out cuz like what if you really connect with somebody and you're like this person's great and then they're just perma dead in the right. game forever yeah. you mean it's when i find me and then i yeah. cock you with me in a mission and i perma die <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah i i'm so curious too if i if I just pick one character and don't die with that character, can I play through the whole game as one character or maybe do they re- record the entire game with, I think you'll need skills. I think you'll need to like inhabit, yeah. you know, like, Oh, you're, Brian's your driver. I'm your right. hacker. You're the, you can't finish this mission unless you also have a hacker and a driver. Yeah. That kind and of this thing. is your grandma. And she's just yeah. nice. Yeah. Well, there's like every certain characters have certain traits. Like gr- the grandmothers are terrible at climbing ladders <laughs> for some odd reason. <laughs> you know, which is just, it's, it's true. true. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's true, but it's also very funny just to think about that. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think like you'll probably have to funnel in and out of certain specific characters for specific missions and stuff like that. I think it'll have a lot more narrative structure through the story than they're implying. But the moment to moment of just sort of running around the open world and being like, I want to be that guy. That sounds incredible cool yeah it really does it's it's i love just the big swing that they're taking to to pull this off and i hope it results in a really satisfying game experience but it totally can i feel like it, it may be this thing where like we we broke our backs and made this crazy thing and it's like eh, it's i guess it's cool but i'm gonna stick yep. with one person it's like no we worked so hard <laughs> uh yeah um and it's gonna be interesting and that game's not too far off um so we'll we'll keep our eyes on watchdogs legion for sure all right, my uh, story of the week is uh, we've got some some hints on what Google Stadia's game pricing is going to be. Uh, Google still remains a little cagey about it. We haven't heard any specifics about how the a la carte model is going to work or what that $10 per month pro tier is going to get you beyond 4K resolutions. And now uh, there is a new Eurogamer interview with uh, Phil Harrison, who is the head of the Stadia project at Google. And he kind of indicated that 
whatever the price is going to be, we're not telling you what the price is going to be. I'm not telling you what the price is going to be, but it's definitely not cheaper. <laughs> it's definitely not less than what you already pay, which is a little bit of a bummer to hear. Uh, the idea being that there is this $10 per month pro tier, but we're still going to sell you games. And I don't, the exact quote from uh, Phil Harrison is quote, I don't know why it would be cheaper to which I would reply. I have some reasons. Um, it's, I don't own the game. Uh, I don't have a physical copy of the game. If the internet's gone, I don't have it. Maybe uh, the fact that you didn't have to make anything and ship it to me, maybe you can reduce that price a little bit. Um, but his, or at least Google's, rationale is that the idea that you can play the games on any device is an added feature and therefore isn't going to be any cheaper than you can get games anywhere. Uh, We still don't know the exact price for games. We don't exactly know what that $10 per month pro tier gets you beyond the 4k, but I find this to be a little bit of a bummer. I think there was an opportunity here to make games much more accessible. Yeah. You don't have to buy hardware with Stadia per se, but it seems like an opportunity to make games really inexpensive or at least have a subscription model. Brian, what do you think this indicates? Do you think we're we're cruising for $60 plus or even over the price because now you've got this crazy ability to play it on any device? Yeah, I I I don't actually know who Google Stadia is for. And I keep wanting to be excited for this. I'm I'm, I'm incredibly uh optimistic at the concept of it. I think the the thought of beaming video games to people anywhere who don't historically or traditionally have access to them on a regular basis, sort of maybe lapsed gamers, casual gamers and stuff like that. But the fact that they are so front and center posing this thing as sort of like something for hardcore gamers and and positioning some of the the biggest AAA games that we know about uh, to be front and center here, it's just kind of baffling to me because I think that like the... I would say that the the simplicity that we have right now of downloading a game, even lacking any sort of ownership of it on PlayStation, on Steam, on Xbox, on Switch, I'm I'm like a mostly digital guy, and so the the convenience there that I sacrifice with the you know actual ownership, which is I feel like something we're losing more and more of every single day as gamers, um, is even more out the window here because with a digital game downloaded on my PS4, if there is a lightning strike or something and I can't get on the internet, I can still play it unless it's online enabled for the most part on Stadia. It just straight up doesn't exist, but they have the same amount of money that PlayStation has from me, which is $60 for Assassin's Creed. Um, And then the pitch that you can play it anywhere, where is anywhere? I mean, it's, is it, it's at home maybe, it's if I'm not maybe I'm possibly, I mean, we, you were teeing up this story and you lost your connection. Like the internet is a fickle thing. Right. And then you in my defense, I was playing a game at 4k while I was talking. <laughs> well, there's also like, there's uh there's data caps too. And that's the right. other thing where you're, you will burn through those very quickly. Um, I got, I live in San Francisco and I got hit with a Comcast data cap just a couple of years ago. They were like, oh, um, we, you have less internet now and it's the same price. Screw you. I was right. like, oh, thanks. And yeah. so I, I had a, I downloaded Red Dead twice in like two days, once on PS4, once on Xbox One to sort of compare how they looked. And I got a note from Google, from Comcast being like, hey, you're running out of internet. And I was Don't like, ever what? do that again. What <laughs> are you doing? <laughs> right? Yeah. And so like if... Playing at home is difficult because you can't really get a consistent uh, 
sort of internet connection or you have data caps and then where where else are the other places you're going to be playing at 4k like at, at your job right i mean yeah. i can i can do that at my job but i'm like one of like 100 people that can do that at work without getting fired right um at the airport <laughs> Yeah, like no, probably it, not. Right, uh, just walking. Like I don't know on the train. Like the, I think the whole thing sort of starts falling apart. And well, I guess the the idea is this promise of five G being a thing, right? Yeah, I mean, so basically, for this to work well, five G has to completely materialize and be real and awesome all over the entire world, and also data caps have to go away forever. And also gamers have to be okay with not owning video games at all anymore. But other and, than that, but other than that it's got a lot going. You know, I think it's <laughs> like, it's, this is going to be something someday. I don't think it's there yet. I think it's cool that someone's starting it now. I think that this is going to get quietly sunsetted in like a year. And then you're not going to mm-hmm. hear much about it for a couple more years. Wow. Uh, I think you make a very good case for that. And Christian has been one of the biggest cheerleaders for this for years. I mean, he's been wanting the Netflix of video games for actual years. And when Google Stadia was announced, Christian jumped on the founders pack and was really excited. So what do you think about this, Christian? What do you think about, about that perspective on it? S T A D I A go. I can't. I could. You know. I should have put a little more thought into that. Um, go Google. Um, that's go Google. <laughs> I feel like they they uh, they totally say that like internally at the end of meetings. <laughs> yeah. Uh, everybody, we're gonna break for. We just need a go Google before we. <laughs> Uh, go, uh, Trevor. Like you mean it, uh, or else we're gonna stadia yeah. here all day. <laughs> Until we can get um, Brian makes excellent points. I do think that this is Google, um, you know, getting started. The the idea is that um, what's the Jurassic Park? Uh, nature finds a way. Yep. Um, it's the same thing with the internet. Like it or not, here co- here comes the internet. It's going to do it. Um, and also, it's part of this piece. I believe um, Phil said in, regarding to data caps that's like. ISPs will figure it out. Like we're not using less data. Um, people's income, if you live in LA or San Francisco and you look at property, you wouldn't believe it, but people's income does have a limit. Mm-hmm. There's a finite <laughs> limit on, on what people can spend on. Um, but, you know, 4K Netflix streaming eats a lot of data. Like you said, Brian, just downloading Red Dead twice yep. is a lot of data is stadia a lot of data you betcha but i do think that by forcing or putting these things into market can help force those other things to fall into line as well slowly painfully but hopefully eventually to the point of the game pricing to me this is the the molehill out of a mountain no it's the other way around this is this is this is the big story out of little news where it's like of, of course google doesn't set the prices like how much is how much is a game on PSN? Same price right. that it's on Xbox if I buy it digitally. Same price, barring a sale, that it is on Steam. Same price that it is on the Epic Game Store, except for that week that Epic discounted all the games without telling the publishers <laughs> all the details. I mean, it's like game. It's the game. It's the same game. So you know whether Bethesda wants to release Doom Eternal at thirty dollars or not, it's their prerogative. I don't see Google. I don't see Phil. You know, unless they're going to cover those costs, mandating that they're cheaper because there's no physical disc. If anything, I think covering at that same price 
um, and no physical disc is kind of what keeps games at $60. Right, right, right. Um, that plus all the microtransactions. Um, but yeah, it seems to me like, of course, it's this, it's the same price that it is anywhere. Do I wish that if I bought Spider-Man digitally, it was cheaper than if I you know went to Best Buy to buy it physically? Of course. But it hasn't been consistently ever yeah no we we lost that we lost that battle years ago and it's like i don't even know how we lost that battle it's true (laughs) honestly it it was like cheaper physically most of the time because best buy is like just take these off my shelves and i'm like deal i remember remember the reason that we lost that battle supposedly was that all of the publishers didn't want to piss off the brick and mortar they were like well we can't undercut all of the game stops of the world and the best buys of the world. So it has to be the same or else they get mad at us and they won't carry our products. So it's the, it, we're hamstrung. We'll just have to actually take extra money. I'm sorry. So yeah, we, you're right. You're absolutely right. We lost that battle a long time ago, but even then, so did a uh, GameStop. Though. Yeah. But <laughs> even, even then the guys who are still buying physical games were like, well, at least we still get full color manuals and like uh, sturdy boxes. Right? <laughs> right. And and they were like, no, you, you, you lose those too. So yeah, everyone no. just kind of, get screwed on the same day so this yeah. the, the stadia pricing is just a ripple of that but you mentioned like the netflix of games that's like the pitch that sold me on this thing to begin with and then finding out that it wasn't really so much of like you're paying 15 dollars a month to have access to this massive library um and more of you are paying 15 dollars a month for the opportunity to pay for more games individually um plus a few free ones that they throw in. That's where it sort of lost the plot for me a little bit. Um, I'm still on board. I still really want to try it, but I do really want someone to make that actual Netflix of games where you pay. Xbox is doing it. Microsoft's doing it, right? Totally, totally, yeah. This has got to be Microsoft's best news ever where they're like, oh, nobody's going to compete with Game Pass? Awesome. Thanks, Google. Because that's what I thought too. I thought this was where Xbox Game Pass was going to get some some heat, some competition. And it sounds like they're just punting on that. Yeah, that's like quietly. I, 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 you know, co-host a PlayStation podcast at IGN, and I week after week, I just repeatedly state how awesome Game Pass is and how everyone should steal it because it's the best. Yeah. I, it's the best idea of this generation, and you know, in in lieu of you know uh, Microsoft not really killing it with first party stuff and third party stuff selling better on PS4 and everywhere else, it's it's kind of really smart of them to come in and go well for this low price which i think right now is literally one dollar you can (laughs) you can play tons and tons of games um and just download them whenever you want and so i think that's it's it's brilliant it's got it's gotten me to play so many things i wouldn't try normally and yeah yeah it's just a smart idea i really hope google takes it yeah we talk about it every week here on the show where you know there'll be some games somebody brings up and we'll be like oh yeah i guess i just should play that because it's free to me it's it's ostensibly free you know it's it's a wild thing, and, and you're right. I don't understand why everyone. I I really saw that as being the next thing that was going to happen. That everybody was going to rush and try to be your Xbox Game Pass. But it sounds like, I mean, I guess that's kind of what Ubisoft and EA are doing with their all of our games for one low monthly fee thing. Yep. But it's just a completely different ball game when Microsoft is like, no, this curated thing from all these different publishers, and look how awesome it is. That's what surprises me. And I don't know when that other shoe is going to drop. I mean, it happened with iTunes. It's happening with Netflix. Is When is it going to no longer be advantageous for other publishers to have theirs be on Microsoft's? Yep. And whatever that financial arrangement is of like, you know, you play uh, Outer Worlds for two hours. Now, you know, 
they get this much money or whatever that is. I don't know what the financial arrangement is for Game Pass games, but you know, with Netflix, it was the same thing. Where it's yeah, yeah, yeah. Here's our show. Here's our show. Here's our show. And now there's CBS right. All Access, DC yeah. Universe, the, Fox Now, all of those other ones. So we'll see. well, the interesting thing about Game Pass is that apparently, and I don't know how this is happening, but there's they're they're finding sort of a a, a, a strong enough conversion where people are downloading the games and then buying them. Um, which really? I, yeah, I personally am like, wait, why you don't need to, they're, they're yeah. right there. Uh, but I think some people are doing that or they find out that the game's going to go away and they download it. They just want it on their hard drive forever. I mean, we're, we're gamers are just inherently sort of collectors, right? We like to, yeah. we like to find and collect things. But one of the things that I think is sort of underappreciated about all of this. And it's something I noticed uh, a couple years ago on the Super Bowl. We were watching the Super Bowl or I was like half paying attention and they were like, hey, guess what, everyone? After the Super Bowl, there's a brand new Cloverfield movie. And we were like, oh, shit. Clover- Wait, there's a new Cloverfield movie? And they're like, yeah, just go to Netflix and watch this new movie. And we all sat down that day, like millions of people at the same time. And we watch the bad movie together. (laughs) (laughs) Gotcha. And boom. (laughs) And you couldn't, you couldn't talk to people about it the next day because they were like, you were like, wow, that was a really bad movie. Like if you had put that in theaters, that would have like a 30% on Rotten Tomatoes. And they were like, yeah, but it didn't, it's not on Rotten Tomatoes because no one got to review that in time. Right. And then they were like, well, for me, it was great because I didn't have to leave my house. I didn't have to buy a ticket. I didn't have to get in the car or buy popcorn. I just like, moved my arm and hit <laughs> hit play and I wa- I got to watch this like sci-fi movie for free on my TV and you're yeah. like yeah but isn't your time worth something and they're like no not really <laughs> like, <laughs> I don't know yeah. is it and so convince tell me tell me over the next couple of hours yeah. why my time I'm in this conversation aren't I <laughs> yeah and so I exactly and so I think like the like the point I'm ramping up to is we could potentially reach an, an era where metacritic doesn't matter and reviewers don't matter and that scares people yeah. I work with but the idea oh, of like totally. Take, I mean, I think we're there a little yeah. bit, Brian, not to interrupt, but like Sea of Thieves, yep. uh, Crackdown 3, um, th- those two jump out at me. As totally. Like millions of people play them, have fun with them. If they were only $60 releases, they wouldn't be talked about and they would probably wouldn't still be being worked on, right? Well, I can tell you the way like the machine works at IGN when we do reviews is usually we get the game a little early and then we we have a reviewer play it and we have somebody else or the reviewer himself capture video footage of it. And then we have somebody else off to the side doing a wiki entry on it, which is effectively, here's all the cheats, here's all the secrets, here's all the breakdowns. Um, and we do graphic comparisons and everything. We run it through the car wash, basically. This year, Apex Legends launched on a Monday and we got wind of it on a Sunday, but we couldn't play it publicly until everybody else could. Um, and the game came out on Monday, and by Tuesday or Wednesday, there were like millions and millions of people playing it. But because it, yeah. it takes our car wash a few days to get going, uh, we didn't have a review up for it for like four or five days. And what is the value of a review of a game that most people have already sunk 10 hours into? You know, yeah, yeah. it's free and I've played exactly. It. And yeah. not only that, what, if I want, if I'm curious about it without downloading it yet, I'll just watch someone else play it right yep. now in real time because they're all playing it. Yep. 
I mean, the, it, like a week later, somebody comes in and they're like eight out of ten, and you're like, "What? Well, okay, that's not necessary." Yeah. <laughs> Never mind. I'm going to delete it. I do hate it. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I mean, at that point, it's either somebody telling you that you're right or somebody saying something that you disagree with, and so. Yeah. Yeah, I think uh, like publishers would be smart to sort of surprise launch games on on a platform like that um, yeah. because they can dominate the conversation before there's a whole critical side to it. And it's happening in, as you referred to, it's happening in television as well, where yep. you see people talking about shows, not as, you know, whether that show is good or bad, but whether it's worth watching that instead of the other thing that you should be, you know, you should be watching this because you're going to be watching something and there's infinite things to watch on the thing you already pay for. So watch this instead of that, because I liked that more. Right. And and I think that's what's happening with video games. It's not, it's not about recommending your purchase at a certain point. It's how are you spending your game hours on all of the available games to you? It's true. Yeah. Because someone might say there are. Oh, come on, Christian. You got to. There it is. You can't just. (laughs) My hand is off the mouse. It's it's a whole. You know, I gotta. I'm not constantly ready. Well, with with TV, I mean, we've we've turned the word binge into like a a a a a nice generous compliment. Yeah, yeah. It's 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 actually a horrible term. Like if you're like, oh, I I binge TV all weekend. People are like, oh, what'd you watch? But if you're like, awesome, wow, great weekend, man. Yeah, I binge drank all weekend. Are you okay? (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Like that's so funny. um, But uh, like video games are interesting because they're one of the only, if not the only, medium where value is represented by the sort of time that you'll get in return from it. And so a lot of people are like, oh, well, how is that game? And I'm like, oh, it's really good. It's awesome. And they're like, is it worth $60? And I'm like, well, I can't answer that for you because everybody's $60 is differently. Um, And and they're like, well, is it a five-hour game? Because then it's not worth $60. I'm like, okay, I guess you're right. But what is? And they're like, well, a 60-hour game. Because then it's a dollar per hour. And I'm like, what? I know. It's such a weird, weird thing. Yeah. And so you never go like this movie is is great. It's really long, you know. <laughs> right? Like, yeah, you this, get so much more for your money. <laughs> this, this book is a great deal. It's like a foot thick. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's yeah. such a weird thing for games. And I don't mm-hmm. know why that why that came to be. Yeah, it is odd. But I I, th- I would say like back to Stadia. I'm really excited for it. I think it's it's got great potential. I I wanna I wanna find like this whole you know metric of people who are like they don't really play video games anymore but they hear about this and all of a sudden they can play you know assassin's creed on on their on their laptop and they never thought to do that before that's exciting for me um getting a bunch of people who don't play video games anymore to play video games again that rules people who play video games all day every day i think they're gonna skip this so yeah i mean it's a different approach than what you know playstation was talking about earlier yeah yeah they talk about it as being the the other billion the next billion people uh, right. to play video games is is breaking down that barrier of entry and i think that's a, would be a very positive thing for sure um all right well uh, that was an awesome awesome discussion i want to i kind of want to uh, move on out of the news segment but i want to mention one more thing cuz it's such a positive thing and we talk about it every year but this year in particular very very cool thing uh, cheesy bob sent us this suggestion via email to dlcfeedback at uh, gmail.com talking about the summer games done quick twitch stream marathon that just happened and it set a new record for raising money for charity the charity that they were raising money for this time doctors without borders 
$3 million plus, just over $3 million they closed with, with which crushed last year's total of $2.1 million and set a new record uh, for all of the Dunquick events, actually. Uh, and that breaks down to about 50,000 individual donations at about 60 bucks average a piece. Really cool. It's a wonderful event. We talk about it every year, as uh, as I'm sure you guys remember. Um, but it's worth mentioning how fun it is, what a wonderful cause Doctors Without Borders is. It's it's great watching, you know, watching players do wild tricks with inside games uh, and doing it for a good cause. It's really awesome that they raised $3 million for it. So Yeah, that's become one of my, my favorite traditions is just kind of like vegging out a weekend a year and watching a bunch of those. Um, especially when you pick like your favorite games and you watch people just – utterly destroy them yeah yeah did you have any this year that uh stood out to you uh i watched super mario brothers 2 which is just like you know a weird sort of uh stepchild in in this in the mario franchise and the guy who was playing through it just he did like a basically a speed run that through every level and i learned for the first time that when you play as toad in that game and you carry an item you're faster than anyone else in the entire game wow yeah and so we did all this just insane stuff just linking jumps never missing by a single pixel and it's just like glitching through walls and stuff it's just so much fun and there's there's a crowd there it just it's such a great thing to watch they're also they're all archived on twitch and youtube so just i i suggest anybody listening just go through find the games that you like or even games that you don't know much about and just watch people just completely destroy them. It's a great time. And some of the, some of the most fun is watching really obscure games that you don't think anybody would play Mm -hmm. a lot. And there's somebody that has mastered that game. It's a wild thing, but uh, kudos to them for raising over $3 million for charity. That's just wonderful. All right. Uh, Let's move on now. But first I do want to thank our first sponsor, which is quip. I was just Telling, I have some some friends in town this weekend, this whole week. Uh, they've been staying in my house. Um, some old friends that moved away and they're back. And uh, because they're staying in my house, you talk about things like toiletries because they're you know they're using your bathroom and they're you know, using your shower. And I was like, oh my gosh, you got to see my my toothbrush. I got this new toothbrush. It's Quip. Have you guys heard of this? And they're like, I think I've heard about this on podcasts. I'm like, well, I talk about it on my podcast, and it. it it is a weird thing to be excited about, but I'm super excited about it. And it doesn't sound like something that will change your life, but it I feel like it changed my life. I, uh, I've been using the Quip now for several months. It is a different toothbrush than I've ever used. First of all, it's super cool. Uh, looks neat. It's stylish. Comes in a cool packaging. It's got a neat little stand that you I posted on my mirror that makes it very convenient. It's off the off the countertop so it doesn't use up countertop space and then it it pulses with these sonic vibrations so it's an electric toothbrush that has sonic vibration but they call them sensitive sonic vibrations it's a a clean to your teeth that doesn't agitate your gums it's it's gentle it works for sensitive gums Uh, and they say that with research they found that people brush too hard and some electric toothbrushes are too abrasive so this is is more gentle uh but the best part about it is that it has these built-in pulses that tell you every 30-second interval, and then it turns itself off after two minutes. So basically, I've been my entire life brushing not enough time. It, what, what they recommend for the length of time it should take to brush your teeth. I, like m- many of us, I, sh- I assume, 
have done too little because you get busy and you forget and you don't want to be brushing your teeth. And so you're like, ah, I'm fine. This toothbrush makes it so I've never done that again. It, it, it It's really cool. And I sort of um, break my mouth up into quadrants. So every 30 seconds I'm doing a different quadrant because I'm a weird person like that. Um, but it's so cool. It just takes it out of your mind and it lets the, you can, I can sort of let my mind daydream or whatever. And then the, the, the brush itself tells me when I'm done. It's a really cool thing. Uh, and with the subscription, brush heads are automatically delivered because doctor, uh, dentists recommend that you replace the bristles and you don't use too old of a toothbrush for too long because it basically becomes ineffective. 75% of us, they say, use old worn out bristles that are ineffective. So this really just handles everything. It takes it all out of your brain and makes it easy. So that's why I love Quip. And they're also backed by over 20,000 dental professionals. It starts at just 25 bucks. And if you go to getquip.com slash DLC right now, you can get your first refill pack for free when you buy a Quip electric toothbrush. So that's your first refill pack free at getquip.com slash DLC. Getquip.com slash DLC. I love mine. I got one for my son who's two and a half. So it, you know, it reminds him how long it should take to brush. It's great. Check it out. Getquip.com slash DLC. Time to talk about the games that we have been playing this week. And Brian, I know there's a big release uh, this week on Switch that you have been putting some hours into. Actually, you and Christian both. Super Mario Maker 2. That's right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I saw on your Twitter feed that you have already finished the, I guess, 100 levels that uh, that that constitute what they're calling the campaign for Super Mario Maker 2. Yep. The, uh, the story mode for this game is really hilarious because it's essentially there's this new character named Undo Dog. And he is basically like, I, I guess, like a dog version of Clippy from Microsoft Word. <laughs> Which and we've all been waiting for a dog version <laughs> of Clippy. <laughs> Yeah, I mean that that guy needed a pet, so this this checks out. <laughs> right. um, but so the 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 story starts with this giant mushroom kingdom being there, and of course this precarious button being placed in the front that's going to wipe out the entire kingdom, and the dog jumps on it and erases everything. It's a very 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 thin plot, um, but I love it. It basically tells Mario, hey, you have to play a bunch of levels, and depending on how you do, you get coins. And you can use those coins to rebuild the castle. And it's basically just an excuse for Nintendo to put out, I think, the 100 most insane Mario levels they've ever, like, legally made themselves. <laughs> <laughs> so it, of, you, you do feel a difference in these levels? They do feel crazier than normal Mario levels? Oh, yeah, totally. Because I think that, like, removed of sort of, like, thematic worlds or, like, a campaign or anything like that, um, it's just them doing a bunch of bizarre one-off stuff that you can tell they have, like, a, they have a younger team of designers working on stuff now. And I think a lot of them are just like, let's let's break the rules a little bit. Like, let's make Mario Maker levels that would challenge people and weird people out and confuse people and sometimes enrage people, but uh, they all blend together really well. And so you can kind of skip around them and there's this like little toad character and he just gives you more and more of these levels to, to play. And so if you're stuck on one, you can jump to another and, and so on and so forth, but they just keep getting weirder and weirder. And when you're done with those, uh, you can jump over to 
the main meat of Mario Maker 2, which is downloadable levels that completely insane people made online. Right. Oh, and you don't need to you don't need to wait. Yeah, right? you don't. You can jump into that any mode of the game whenever you want. You'll get you know, you, you can do more building uh by completing the campaign, but the wonderful weird world of online <laughs> modes are available. Yeah, yeah. It's uh to cl- to clarify, you're totally right. It's it's immediately accessible and immediately will kick your ass. <laughs> yeah, yeah. People are are vicious. I, I was reading online today, somebody was tweeting, I wish I could remember who it was, but somebody was tweeting that um uh, basically the, like the tutorial mode in Mario maker is, is just a, a bunch uh, over and over reminding people that at, when you're making a level, you're not the enemy of the player. <laughs> it's not your job to be their enemy, <laughs> uh, which is interesting. No, it's totally true. Um, I really, I really love this, this game as a concept. I think that the first one was brilliant and it was sort of put on, it was put on the Wii U where not a lot of people experienced it, but despite all that, it, it reached a huge audience. And I'm so excited to see where this one goes on a wildly successful platform yeah. because I, I have a feeling we're like 10 years away from a bunch of budding game dev- designers being like, oh yeah, I started making video games in Mario Maker yeah. and now and now I make this. Yeah. Um, it, it teaches you so many, like the tutorial teaches you so many basic fundamentals in game design. And it's just so smart in the way it sort of trickles out little things that you can do to make the player feel rewarded and not just just punished. Although that's that's definitely an option out there. There's tons of levels that will just straight up kick your butt. So yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a, it's just a really it's a really interesting package for them because it's it's sort of uh, like it it removes the guardrails from from one of the most kind of iconic franchises in the world it's them saying like hey here's mario he's our the, our most recognizable character break the rules and go nuts and i love that yeah i have to admit that um i didn't play much of the first mario maker and the thing that got me excited about this one was hearing that they were adding a a actual sort of campaign mode because i felt like as good as many of the mario levels that were created by users are it felt a little bit like the old West out there. And I just didn't feel like, you know, why am I playing this one over that one? And who who cares really? And I felt like this idea of a compendium of professionally designed levels in it that have a start and finish would be more compelling to me. Do you feel like it was a worthwhile thing to have that included? And do they feel different than what you get from, user created stuff. Yes, absolutely. And I think I like I completely echo everything you say about the original one where it felt like sort of a crapshoot where you would sit down and you would start playing levels and it just felt incredibly haphazard and some were great and some weren't and the ranking system to find them wasn't that awesome. Right. And so I think the the stages here feel like the the stuff that Nintendo made specifically feels like not necessarily none of it's as is insanely difficult as some of the hardest levels you'll see out there but it's definitely outside of their comfort zone um Mm. and it's it's them kind of getting a little crazier than usual and i appreciate that because it's 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 also kind of them teaching the audience like here's how we make weird mario levels like how would you guys do it and so it i would say it almost acts as a tutorial of its own in terms of this is the type of variety that you can make of these stages and uh, i think 
I, I wouldn't, I don't, I don't know if I would say it's worth the 60 bucks on its own. Um, definitely do a little bit of that plus download some cool levels online. But, um, I think it's, it's a really awesome super Mario game just on the side. Hmm. Christian, I know you've been playing a lot of super Mario maker two as well. Do you echo those sentiments? Yeah. I mean, I, this game, uh, I have not played as much as Brian, um, in terms of the, the story mode. Also, I I'm pretty sure. And I was trying to Google to remember, I didn't play much of the first game. Um, because when it came out on the Wii U lifespan, but I'm pretty sure it had a, some Nintendo made levels as well. What it didn't have was um, a campaign dog, like a story kind of tying it together, but they were still kind of showing what you could do and kind of providing inspiration. Yeah, totally. Um, But this game is, is as I, my top five favorite games of the year is now a list of 30 um, (laughs) is, is definitely joined the ranks of, of my favorite games this year. I think, it's mind blowing how creative people already are. And I think the community is only going to make better and better levels. And I I think the Nintendo made levels are phenomenal. And I think to echo some of what Brian said, it really feels like it's Nintendo, these developers using one kind of brain melting or rule breaking mechanic for the course of a level and kind of highlighting this thing that is possible in super Mario maker two for then players to, or creators to take and use that as inspiration for their own levels. And the way that they are not linked in any way, shape or form in a world or level or theme, you're kind of bouncing from totally different level styles, one to the next, which makes them in my opinion, feel even more creative Whereas the level design in 3D Mario's as well, um, Odyssey certainly had some wholly inventive and incredible levels. But because you spent time in a world, they kind of started, in in my opinion, feel thematic, right? They felt similar because they all existed in Food World or whatever it was. Totally. And while I think the level design in some of the new Super Mario platforming 2D games are ultimately maybe more creative with the different mechanics they add throughout a level. Super Mario Maker 2's Nintendo-made levels feel more inspired because it pops you in the face with this brand new thing that you have to figure out that you haven't done before, and then you finish it, and then you're on to the next level, and it's something totally different, and now you're floating on lava, and you have to finish that. And so it's like shorter, it's like greatest hits. You're listening to radio edits of Led Zeppelin. Songs, right? <laughs> like, I love that. The full, the full album version is better, but you know, you got two and a half minutes. So, so you get in, you get out. And then to Brian's point about, you know, level, uh, great developers cutting their teeth on this game. Uh, Matt Thornson uh, from Matt makes games and Celeste, he made incredible levels for his first super Mario maker. He's already released uh, last I checked and subbed to his channel two for Mario Maker 2. And what blows my mind about it is we're all playing with the same rule set that 2D Mario has. And seeing some of the unique creations, Matt's first level he put out, you're bouncing up bullet bills. I have not finished it yet. Um, but it's it's mind-blowing and mind-altering to think that Mario can do this. Like the mechanics I've known since I was, you know, whatever, however old I was, 10 or whatever, like it's run dash jump like that's it and like i'm able to now suddenly i'm completing this totally vertical bouncing level because of the enemies that are on screen and 
Uh, this one level I played was like a negative world where every, I think there's a story mode on like it too, but like every warp pipe switched some aspect of the level fundamentally. So it like at first it was, you were right side on gravity, then you were upside down on gravity. The next warp pipe turned all enemies into power ups and like you needed to keep constantly switching back and forth. And it's just fascinating to me what you can build in a limited play area and still have so much creativity where like the creativity in dreams is the playstation 4 game is creativity kind of unchained right where it's like you could make any game here it's like you can make a 2d mario level and people are already blowing me away it plays tight um the controls feel great having the new or the super mario 3d land that cat suit mario and having those levels kind of be their own little island gives those levels a very different feel um it's it's perfect in my opinion where it's like i want to play something for 20 minutes what am i gonna oh i've already played this for an hour too late (laughs) yep yep i really love it no i think you totally nailed it uh there's sort of a inherent language happening in the world of mario and watching people sort of flip words upside down and and create new sentences in a way is exactly what's happening here. And the idea that you have this limited rule set, which is basically like run dash jump, like you said, and the amount of different things that people are coming out with, with, with that is so smart and so clever that they're consistently breaking the rules, but like legally, like it's, Right. It, you know, it's like it's it's almost uh, inspired, and it's they're they're being nudged by Nintendo to go make the most insane things possible. Um, it it feels so so fresh and different for them, and I think like it's 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 a, it's a really sort of refreshing change of pace to see a company sort of say, "Here's our here's our rules, here's our language, go nuts, like yeah. do everything." I mean, this is the same company that is like shutting down fan <laughs> any <Yeah>. fan website. <laughs> it's it's remarkable. I mean, they, they, this is the keys to the kingdom right here. Yep. It's, and, and in a large sense, I think a lot of people have said it and including us, which is there's no need for to ever to have a new 2D Mario again. You know, just yep. add new features to Mario Maker. And you have infinite 2D Mario's forever, uh, which is uh, which is kind of a bold thing for Nintendo to allow to happen. Yeah, yeah. The need would be like a new mechanic. Yeah, not right. Yeah, but right. you could right. just add that to Super Mario Maker too, and and have Nintendo come out with some of their own levels to show it off, and then all of a sudden yeah. you have infinite of that. Yeah, that's yeah. it's. Um, I think like the only way to go with a brand new Mario game from here, or like a 2D Mario game, would have to be new power ups or a, a completely overhauled art style, one right. that yeah. you don't see, you don't see here at all, um, and that they've never done before. But I I trust that they'll do that. It was interesting that this is the this game came out the same week that they shut down that um, Mario Battle Royal thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know yeah. if you guys saw that. It was basically, yeah, yeah it was it was awesome. It was like a hundred Mario's running through a level. Everybody was excited about it. They shut it down because they were like, "That's our IP, and you know, we don't want to confuse people." And people got really mad at them. And I, I don't want to like side with the giant corporation, but they, the, any other week, I'd be like, "This is the week they put out an endless make it yourself Mario." Right. Like, <laughs> yeah. This is this is a, a pretty good week to be like, "Hey." guys don't do that over here but if you if you want to go nuts with your creativity here's this thing right here yeah yeah we gave you the sandbox please play yeah. in it <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah right yeah. yeah yeah and it does have some people that are listening that are like why aren't you talking about the, the flaws i mean it's not perfect it's capped at 32 levels that you can upload right now finding levels is still a pain i'll say matt and you'll be like oh i want to go find matt's levels well look up his 
friend code, right. which I don't know off the top of my head. I, I play my level. Here's the. Co- it's like it, it still has all of those Nintendoisms, you know, for lack of a better mm-hmm. term to describe it. Um, and the menus aren't super intuitive, and how to get places and back out of things or whatever. So yes, person screaming as you're clearly exercising as I'm sitting here talking. <laughs> um, you are right; those are all issues, but I still love this game uh, with my whole whole heart. Yeah, I've I've come to accept that as part of being a Nintendo fan. Honestly, it's like, hey, this thing's amazing. What's the catch? It's really bad right over here. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. mostly, yeah. mostly the menus. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Mostly the UI. Yeah. yeah. Um, well, you guys have a, have a very similar playlist this week. So let's get to the next game that both of you have played. And that is bloodstained ritual of the night. Brian, um, something tells me you like this one as well. What platform are you on, Brian? Um, I'm actually only about two or three hours into the game. So I'm just, what, what are you playing it on? Oh, I'm playing on switch. Okay, me too. I was hoping one of us played it on a good one. But. Yeah, um, I, I actually played it on a couple different platforms at IGN just to be like, oh, man, um, I suggest you don't do that if you're playing on Switch. It's, <laughs> yeah, it's it's like I don't, if, you ha- if you've wore glasses for the first time, you're like, wow, I can see. <laughs> and then you take them off and you're like, yeah, oh. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think if you're just on Switch, you don't really know what you're missing and it's totally playable and it's, and it's, and it's fun. Um, you're talking you to Christian who purposefully bought mortal Kombat 11 on switch yeah yeah it happens i get it <laughs> no i mean that's yeah and i have wolfenstein youngblood coming yeah, yeah. Wolfenstein <laughs> youngblood on switch too yeah he's i'll take that hit for portability he's all in on portability yeah. no i mean that's really what it comes down to i mean if you're if you're if you get on an airplane often it, it, you just go hey you know what i don't care this is fine. I can play this in the sky. I can play this on the train. Yeah. I can do this anywhere. It's the difference between not playing it or playing it like this. Yeah. <laughs> totally. Right. Totally. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, it's, it's especially for me now, like as a, as a father, it's, it's really easy for me. Like I have two options, which is like play video games on my 65 inch 4k TV and destroy my daughter's brain forever. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Or, or your sleep I, forever. Yeah. yeah. Or my sleep forever. Or I just like curl up in a ball and I play games on my switch. So luckily I find, I find time to do both, but I have been playing bloodstained on switch. I waited specifically. I, I did that thing where I was like, I'm going to get it on PS4. And then I was like, Oh no, it comes out on switch in four days. Should I double dip? And I just waited. And then I bought it the second it came out. And then the reviews came in and I was like, Oh man, I shouldn't, I shouldn't have done this. But I'm enjoying it either way. It's very vintage Castlevania. I'm a huge fan of the Game Boy Advance Nintendo DS run of Castlevania games, which was basically three, four, five games in a row where it felt like every year and a half, two years, we would get this incredible, damn near perfect 2D pixel art Castlevania. And then they just stopped for a yeah. very long yeah. time. <laughs> right. And right. so... um in in lieu of that, you know, tons of different companies stepped in and they made their own Metroidvanias and we got us like cool, you know, tons of uh, even just recently I played this game called Time Spinner on Switch, which was like a pixel art Castlevania game, very Game Boy Advance. Did It did the perfect job of holding me over until Bloodstained. And then Bloodstained showed up and was like, oh, yeah, this is what I was missing. Like the, the mm. king, the king is back, you know, Um but yeah, I, I'm really, really enjoying this game. I think that like one of the coolest things about it is there are tons of different like weapons and accessories. And when you change them in and out, you actually see that reflected on your character. Yeah, that's so satisfying. Yeah. Instead of just being like, you got a new cloak and you put it on, you're like, well, you look, you're the same dude. <laughs> right. Yeah. Even pixel art, you want you. It's satisfying to be like, ooh, new cloak. Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah. And so, um, I, yeah, th- this game is, uh, it's, it's pretty damn near perfect vintage Castlevania. Um, I'm only a few hours in. I hope it doesn't fall apart. Most people have told me that it's pretty strong throughout, but yeah, I don't know. What do you guys think? Christian, what do you think? Yeah, I also, I, I really, really, really like it. I want to love it and I'm not quite there yet, but I also think that's because I, put all of my symphony of the night expectations onto it mm. um full disclosure i backed the game um when they announced the the digital or the digital the the retro inspired um precursor game which i also which i really liked um so <laughs> i i really put a lot of expectations on this game um and it's really 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 good and i'm not quite sure and i'm probably about the same amount of time in game as you brian um, I'm not quite sure why I haven't quite clicked over to love yet. And, and maybe that will come as um, bosses are maybe a little more interesting or varied. I feel like right now it's um, I'm, I'm dying because I haven't figured out the one pattern and then right. it's like, Oh, I got it. And then I do it and then I move on. But I love so far the map, the level layout, the, um, Someone should come up with a name for this, where it's like you backtrack after you get a new ability, and then you can. Yeah, if only there was a (laughs) hybrid name for that, that would work. You know, I'll just call it like um, get new stuff, explore old parts again. That works. You hyphenated all those? Yeah, good stuff. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. How does this Um, game hold up in a post Dead Cells world? Different. Yeah, different enough. Yeah. Because Dead Cells, you're not. Dead Cells is not a Metroidvania. You're not getting a new power and going back to the sewers mm, mm, right, right. it's a roguelike me, yeah yeah it, yeah is a roguelike what i do wish that this game had so one thing that i think is holding it back from a love for me and i, I am playing on switch full disclosure i have watched some playstation 4 videos and it does look better uh, much much better but i wish that this game had dead cells pixel art like i don't think the polygonal graphics that it has add anything to the game um, and I would have loved to have seen that GBA style pixel art or Super Nintendo style pixel art would have spoke more to me totally as someone who grew up on those games. But um, yeah, how's it hold the Dead Cells? I think they're totally different games. Right. And I think the level design and so far the way it le- is dropping new items is really satisfying. I like the little inclusion of uh, fighting game mechanics to pull off special moves, I think is really cool. I do have the Hori. Uh, d-pad joy-con on my switch when i'm playing this game in handheld mode it, it's solid i think if you have a switch and you won't play it if you don't play it on switch <laughs> get it on switch but otherwise it seems like every other version is vastly superior i thought it maybe would scratch a similar itch but it's nice to hear that it's a its own niche um from it's almost like it's its own genre. Yeah, I get it. I get it. I get it. I just <laughs> felt like, you know, you're you're so effusive about Dead Cells, as are we all. Um, I thought yeah. maybe that would be a, a similar overlap. But no, fair. Um, cool. I'm glad you guys are you guys have some awesome games to talk about. I want to talk about a game because I suspect most of the people listening to this won't play it ever because uh, it's called Beach Buggy Racing 2. And it's on a, a special console that maybe the most expensive console I've ever bought. You know what? Definitely the most expensive console I've ever bought. It's on my Tesla. Um, and it is a new game, a new uh, Mario Kart style kart racing game 
that I played on my Tesla screen. And it's, it's crazy. The Tesla OS has had video games for a while. It supports plugging in a, a controller, a USB controller. You can play all kinds of classic arcade games, Asteroids and Tempest. And um, there's a whole bunch of them, Missile Command. And that's cool and all uh, those classic games. It's fun. But it, it was really more of a novelty uh, than anything else. It, it was just kind of fun thing when people get in your car. You're like, hey, look, I can play video games. I never really did it. I never sat in the parking lot and played video games. It's nice that it was there because it's kind of cool. But there were classic arcade games that you just played for a couple minutes. And you're like, ah, it's fine. It's not the way I want to play these. I'm not going to carry a USB controller in my car for this. But now we got Cuphead coming out on Tesla. And Beach... That's such a weird sentence. <laughs> Cuphead coming out on Tesla. I'm excited to try it. It's not available yet. But Beach Buggy Racing 2 is, and I am shocked at how this game feels on in my car. Uh, I was sitting in my driveway playing this for a lot longer than I thought I would. Uh, and the coolest thing about it, honestly, is that you control it with the actual car's steering wheel and the actual car's brake pedal. What? Uh, yeah. So so you don't have to press the accelerator because the, the game automatically accelerates for you. Uh, I think that is a holdover from the touchpad controls where you don't want to have to hold down a uh, an accelerator and move back and forth. And it may have something to do with not wanting you to be pressing the accelerator in case somebody <laughs> puts it in drive when you aren't looking. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, so the, so your cart little cart automatically accelerates, but you drive by driving the steering wheel, by turning the steering wheel, and you brake by pressing the brake pedal. And it's awesome. I mean, it's it's like the best – uh, drive controller peripheral ever because it's an actual car. Uh, and I'm shocked at how good this game looks and how high the frame rate is because I have to admit the classic arcade games have not inspired a lot of confidence in me. They take a long time, a, a usually long time to load and they're kind of clunky. I mean, they're old games, so they're old, but also it doesn't feel like they run particularly well on the Tesla. So I, I didn't play a lot of Tempest because it was like, this is just not great. I like that game a lot, but I'm not going to play it in my car. This game loads fast, has a what appears to be a pretty decent frame rate. It looks kind of like how, you know, if you uh, emulate like an old Dreamcast game or an old PS2 game and right. it up and it up to like a really crisp, but low poly but really crisp bad textures but really crisp you know like high anti-aliasing because you're emulating on a awesome rig now that's kind of how it looks uh it's really colorful it's set all on the beach so you're you know, all the levels are variations of different beach towns and stuff and you have unlockables i mean it's a game that has a as a career mode where you <laughs> unlock new drivers and you unlock new courses and you unlock new teslas you start with a model three because that's what i'm playing on but you can unlock Oh no! I guess you don't unlock them. You it, it it attaches whatever actual car you're playing in. So that's why I only had the Model Three. But if you're playing in an X or an S or whatever, it it actually plays on in that car. It has that model. But I, I guess you can't unlock it. But you can unlock all these new uh, courses, which I've unlocked a bunch, and un unlock new racers that have all have special abilities. It's it's Mario Kart, but your racers have unique Uber moves that they can do as in addition to the power-ups that you drive through and collect and shoot off. 
Wait, um, Jeff, Jeff, would that be would that be the most expensive cosmetic DLC in history? <laughs> yes, yes. I want to get the X in this game. <laughs> so I guess I'm going to buy the $80,000 X. <laughs> wow. Yeah. So I, I think we should definitely reiterate to people listening because I, I heard about this. Uh, I work with Ryan McCaffrey, who he does a Tesla podcast. He's like the one of the biggest Tesla fans I know. Um, he... Uh, he was the guy that interviewed Elon Musk recently and broke the story about the Cuphead thing, which we yeah. he came into work the next day and we were like, wait, what? I We should reiterate to people, you can't play these games while driving the car. Yes, everybody <laughs> thinks that. Every yes. single person thinks that. And no, you have to be in park for this to work. Um, yes. It's one of the cool things, though, with the uh, arcade games is that you can be in park with your air conditioning on, listening to whatever streaming music you want, because Teslas have streaming music stations. So you can be playing classic arcade games with awesome current music, which is pretty rad. This game has its own soundtrack, so it'll turn off your radio and go to its soundtrack. I think there's an option to let you play with your music, but I'm not certain. I was kind of digging on just playing the game as is. Um, but yes, you can. You must be in park. Uh, but it, and it, and it tells you like, do not, you know, do not mess around, you know, all this, all these warnings at the beginning. Um, but yeah, you're using the actual steering wheel there. You can play it as a touchscreen and there's actually a two player mode, which is cool. If you've been inside a model three, the model three is different than all the other Teslas in that there's no dashboard. It has only a big honking touchscreen. It's like somebody pasted a giant iPad in the middle. So it's not in front of the driver. It's off to the right of the driver. It is actually directly between the driver and the passenger seat. So it's equidistant from both seating positions. So when it splits the screen vertically and you have these two quadrants on either side, it's actually really convenient to play two player. And each person is sitting in their own awesome gaming chair, which happens to be a seat in that car. One player gets to use the steering wheel. The other player can use the touch screen. Um, so that's kind of rad. It has a two-player mode. And like I said, performance-wise, it makes me very encouraged that Cuphead is actually going to work because it it really performs pretty well. And it looks pretty darn good. And it loads quick and it plays great. So, uh, I mean, it's not a good game. It's not like a top-tier Mario Kart game. But it's passable. And you're prob- I'm, I don't know, I'll play it here and there. I'll unlock more more stages. And I'll when somebody is sitting in my car and we're waiting for something, you know, where like somebody has to jump out and go into the grocery store and I'm sitting there with my buddy. I'll be like, Hey, you want to play a racing game? And we'll just do it. It'll it's super cool. That's so, so cool. So yeah. are there any, are there any like classic racers you want to see get ported to Tesla? I mean, I Again, would a weird I, sentence. <laughs> yeah. I mean, dude, I would, I would love like crazy taxi or uh, even outrun would be rad. If they could oh, get, you know, to, dr- to use an actual steering wheel, but yep. I honestly, I mean, I don't know what they can do. I think the the memory capacity, even Cuphead, they've said is only like the first world or the first level or something. I don't know. I haven't played Cuphead, so I don't know how they're differentiated. But it's not the whole game because they didn't want to use up that much storage capacity for it. So I, I don't think there's much that can be brought. But but I would love a full racing title because. I love the idea of sitting in an actual car using an actual steering wheel to drive a real car. I mean, that would be awesome to have, you know, a Forza or something. Uh, if I'm going to dare to dream, uh, that would be incredible. 
Yeah, hey boss. Um, <laughs> whoo, I don't know how to say. Uh, I am halfway there. And a funny thing happened. <laughs> I was binge playing this. G- anyway, it, what matters is my battery is dead. But let me hold on. No, 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 hang up, don't hang up, hang up. I unlocked turbo tires. So not not for my real car. My real car, I'm I'm definitely stuck on the 405. In the middle. Yeah, in the middle lane. But oh man, did I have fun last night. No did you're like your kid looks out the window and it's like, what's dad doing? And you're like sitting in the car bouncing like a little kid playing like yeah. wee! <laughs> just like jiggling the steering wheel. I mean Don't worry, honey, daddy will be in soon. Yeah. Uh, you know, Br- Brian, you said you have kids. I it's I'm not above going out when the kids are sleeping and going out and sitting in my car to play video games. I've done it with my switch and now I can just do it with my car. So that's the secret. Dad, my dad went to get a pack of cigarettes and never came back. <laughs> no, to. My, my dad, dad went, went to pick, play games pick cigarettes and just sat in the parking lot, never left. That's what it is. Yeah. Anyway, I know it is. Uh, I completely recognize that it's a little obnoxious that I'm even talking about the video game on my Tesla. But I have a Model 3, and I really like it. And, uh, uh, you know, I, I thought it would be interesting for people to hear because how many podcasts are going to talk to you about the video game on the Tesla? Probably not that many. No, I think well, it's we awesome. need a new bumper. So, Sean, if you're listening, it's, you know, Jeff's VR, but, like, even a smaller listener base than that. Uh, <laughs> yeah, niche. <laughs> have its own segment. Jeff's Tesla games. Yeah, whatever. Uh, all right. Uh, we don't have to, I don't have to talk about anything. Well, I want to talk about VR speaking of that, because, uh, it's been a big week of talking about of playing VR for me. Um, but first I want to thank our second sponsor, which is Linode. Linode is a hosting company offering high performance Linux servers for all of your infrastructure needs. Linode has it all lightning quick servers in the cloud, a super fast 200 GBPS network in all data centers, automated backups, node balancers, managed services, native SSD storage, Intel E5 processors, guides with step-by-step instructions, a simple but powerful control panel, 99.9% uptime, 24-7 support experts, and all the tools you need to get the job done right the first time. And now, Linode offers two gigabytes of RAM for just 10 bucks a month. Over 400,000 customers trust the Linode platform, including 5x5. 5x5's infrastructure is happily hosted on Linode. And getting started is easy. Just pick a plan, choose your favorite Linux distro, and pick from one of eight data centers in America, Europe, and Asia. So to support this show and for a $20 Linode credit on a new account, visit promo.linode.com slash DLC. That's P-R-O-M-O dot L-I-N-O-D-E dot com slash D-L-C. Linode, simple, powerful, reliable. A lot of VR being played in my house this weekend. As I mentioned, we had uh, some friends over and they have kids uh, aged 11 and 8. And I introduced them to Oculus Quest. And it's basically all they want to do. Uh, And Brian, I know you just got your hands on an Oculus Quest. What do you think of it? This is exactly what I was waiting for. This, I mean, this sounds like a like a bad commercial, but no, straight up, this is this is the VR that I was waiting for. I had a PSVR since the day it launched. I was super into it. Every time I pulled that thing out, it had like it's. There's just like nine boa constrictors <laughs> attached to it. <laughs> yeah, it's yes. just like it's a whole thing. And then there was the um, 
there was the issue of like having a 4K TV and having an HDR pass through. Right. There's all this nonsense that just kept me from going like, I want to play VR. Okay, so what do I have to do? Well, I have to open up my entertainment center. I have to pull out this thing. I have to, oh, or my move controllers from 2010. Are those still charged? Yeah. Well, let me make sure those are charged. Uh, let me get the uh, US micro USB. Well, that's different than the regular. So yeah, it was just like a whole big frustration. And I like, I love my PSVR. I just played through um, Blood and Truth. Blood and Truth, yeah, which yeah. is awesome. It's so good. Yeah. Um, and then I got Akia's Quest, and I was like, "Oh wow, this is how it's done. Like this is this is what I want to see everybody doing. This is like this is elevated VR to the next step. And I want everybody else making anything remotely VR related to go. Here's here's how here's how they did it, and that's how we have to do it. Like yeah. as far as I'm concerned, that's it's the new future. Um, so yeah, Oculus Quest for the uninitiated is completely wireless, and the cool thing about it is you can just in seconds draw your own sort of zone around yourself. So you can be in your living room or your bedroom or the kitchen or in the middle of a field and go, oh, this is where I want to play VR. And you take the controller and you draw a circle around yourself, however big you can work with. And then you just start playing games and in it's seconds in seconds. It's yeah. ridiculous. It's yeah. so cool. Um, and so the, fir- I'm a huge star Wars guy. So the first thing I did was Vader immortal, which, um, so well done. Yeah. It's so well done. It's, it's basically a story driven star Wars game entirely first person. Uh, but what's smart about it is it takes a lot of sort of like, cumbersome stuff about vr which is like you know turning around is sort of slow and you don't want to you know like take the player and disjoint them too quickly and it pits you up against like droids and and lightsaber fights in a way that doesn't feel like jarring or make you want to get nauseated and throw up or anything like that it it, or even jar jar yeah or jar jar Which is worse, which also makes you want to throw up. (laughs) Which also makes you want to throw up, yeah. Um, And so I think it's like, it's just a really interesting, really comfortable, episodic Star Wars experience. I wish it kept going, but I know it will eventually. Um, It's just the first... The first part have they? I don't know if they've said how many parts they're doing, but no, and they haven't said when the next part is coming either. But, yeah, so yeah. it's tough. It it feels like a, almost like a telltale game like that, right. where you're like, oh, I don't know when the next chapter is, but um, it's a really interesting look, sort of behind the curtain of Darth Vader and also Mustafar, which is his like weird fiery castle where he lives. Um, and just exploring that world is so interesting to me. Uh, and then throwing in combat with lightsabers and deflecting, you know, droids with blasters and stuff like that. It's, it's really, really fun. It was like such a wonderful first experience on that platform and just totally immediately sold me on Oculus quest. Yeah. Yeah. It's so good. It's so good. Uh, and you're right. The only bummer is that it's not longer, but it's also priced pretty reasonably and it's a great, it's like, you know, just a no brainer. If you get a quest, you have to get it. It's, it's so good. Um, I know you also listed down here that you've been playing Moss, which is a game Christian and I both absolutely adore as well. Yeah. So I played through that game on PSVR and I completely loved it. Um, but on, Oculus, I believe there's a bunch of new sort of new areas and like kind of uh, exclusive locations and stuff like that and puzzles. And so it gave me a reason to to look back at that again. 
And again, it's just like one of those things with the Oculus Quest versus PSVR, it just feels more com- comfortable. It looks better. And I think that like the sort of understated thing about VR is everyone expected it to revolutionize first person gameplay. And in a lot of ways it did. But I think what's really special about Oculus and PSVR and VR in general is when it sort of makes you into this giant overlooking a world that exists kind of without you. Right. And you know, it, it's sort of like playing a tabletop game or having a bunch of action figures in front of you. There's yeah. this tactile, tangible thing to looking down and seeing this tiny mouse with a sword running around and you're controlling him. Um, but you're not, you're not necessarily him through his eyes. You're overseeing an adventure that's happening in front of you. And I think that's such a creative and special way to approach VR is to not just say, you're the guy with the gun, you're the guy with the sword, but you're looking down into this diorama that's detailed and beautiful. And these characters are all interacting with each other. And I think that's like kind of one of my favorite things about VR. I always thought it would be about first person stuff, but the weird, like kind of a special third person stuff that they're doing on VR is, is actually really what it's all about for me. I agree, man. And you contextualize it so, so beautifully and, and mentioning it like, like playing with action figures or something where that, this idea that we've all had as kids of a thing that's smaller than me and I'm moving it through my imagination and seeing these, even just like a, like playing in a train set or something, you know, yep. that is a, mm-hmm. an experience we all can relate to. And it's immediately very pleasurable and, and fun. Um, yeah. It's, it really scratches that itch for sure. I, uh, as I mentioned, I have been playing a bunch of Quest, and uh, just to underscore what Brian was talking about with regard to ease of setup and go, um, the kids that are in my house right now, it's just so awesome to be able to, that they go, hey, can we play it for a few minutes? I'm like, sure, just put it on and start. And it does. I mean, not only can you just draw the area very, very quickly. If you've already drawn an area, it remembers it and goes, Oh, Hey, do you want to use this guardian that you did last time? And you go, yeah. And we're, and you're in, you're going. Uh, and these kids, the thing that they've been playing with the most that has absolutely sparked their imaginations is tilt brush actually. Oh man. Yeah. They're having so much fun painting and walking around in the paintings that they've created. Um, it's so fun to watch that and, and see their imaginations explode and their creativity be able to be expressed in 3d like this. And they're, you know, they're showing it off to their parents. Like, Hey, put it on, look and walk around the thing I drew. It's so neat. Um, so I love, I love seeing that with quest. No, Tilt is like really an incredible piece of software. I, the first time I went in and I started drawing with it, I basically did like some rudimentary graffiti and I was like, yeah. oh, that's cool. And then I, I moved my head and I was like, wait, you can, you can look behind it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like you, you can walk behind your drawings and then scale them and make them gigantic or small. Like it's so special. Yeah. That moment of going, oh, is really yep. cool. And uh, and I think with Quest, where you're untethered and you're free to walk around it, encourages that even more. And and it's such a perfect platform for that uh, app to be available. Uh, I also downloaded a new game this week. I think it just came out this week or last week. Um, it's a game that I raved about on Rift called Sirento. Uh, there's a new version called Sirento Untethered, which was built specifically for the Quest. Uh, it's 15 bucks. And it is basically a subset of what Sirento was on Rift. 
Uh, it's still, I think, a, a pretty robust product, but it is fewer levels, um, really kind of pared down. I don't know how much of that is the limit of the headset or if they were just deciding to make a smaller product to keep the price down or what have you. Whatever the case, uh, it is uh, still very, very fun. Sirento is a game where you play a cyber ninja and you have a variety of loadouts that you can do in different levels. But basically, it's it's a combination of swords and throwing stars and guns of various sizes and types. And you have all of the coolest abilities of a cybernetic ninja. You have double jump. You have wall run. You have massive leaps and slides. You can When you land from any height, you don't take fall damage. But if you squat physically, actually as a human being, squat as you land, you'll do this cool slide. And I've been saying for a long time, ever since I played Sirento a year ago or so on Rift, I've been saying this is the way to do games like Titanfall in VR, games where you are uh, able to do all kinds of insane physical stuff. They pulled it off. They gave the template of how to do that in VR, in first person with Sirento. And uh, Untethered is a really cool taste of that. It has all of those mechanics intact. It is still very, very fun. Very fun to take down a whole room full of ninjas and um, assassins by bouncing off the walls, leaping. It's this cool thing where you you jump into the air by pushing uh, one of the sticks and it shows you this arc that you're going to go into. And if you push the stick again in the middle of the air, it slows time and allows you to plot your next jump but also you can slow time in the middle of a jump and shoot down on people or ready your your sword so that you land on them stabbing them or dash into them and stab them it it, it, you do feel like you are liquid death and you are (laughs) you are the most awesome you know anime character ever it's really fun it's very uh kinetic and crazy all of the things that people have said you can't do in vr like you know throw yourself around a level jump off of things and you know be physical it it does i never felt a, a even a hint of nausea from it i will say i i played a bunch of untethered and then i went back and played the regular sirento on my rift and i was shocked at the difference i mean they have really the game does not look great on quest and uh they have majorly it wasn't ever a game that i think was a showpiece in the first place to be honest uh but it looked fine it had some cool effects and reflections and stuff the quest version is not super attractive it's it's the mechanics are really what's on display and it is an insanely fun incredible experience that you can't really have any other way like there's no other game that does what sirento does and in VR, it, I think it is the kind of thing that you're just like, this is incredible. I feel like a god um, dodging bullets and reflecting them back and jumping behind something and stabbing it and double jumping, jumping off a wall, all that stuff. Um, but it just – it really ha- – they had to compromise a lot and it made me realize just what those compromises are for getting something on a quest from the Rift. And it's a bit of a bummer. Um, but I will say – and this is something I mentioned on previous episodes, I have this style of playing VR games that I've learned or taught myself uh, through, you know, a few years now of having tethered VRs where I plant my feet and everything I do is turning in the context of the game by hitting the sticks, but I keep my feet planted and I can move my head and my arms and everything. And when I need to turn 90 degrees or 180 degrees in the game, I do that 
via the sticks in my hand because I don't want to get twisted by the chords. And I, and I played so much Sirento on Rift like that, that that's how I started playing it on Quest. And it was this incredible experience to go, oh, wait, I can turn as much as I want. I can run forward if I want to and actually stab the guy instead of, you know, using the dash to do it. I can move around. Maybe I'll go outside and play this game so I have, so I have more room so I can really get into it and start swinging around and running and dashing. It's a game changer in that respect of not having that tether and really freeing your body up to be more participatory in the game. So much fun. And I highly, highly recommend if you have a quest to try Sirento untethered. I am downloading that tonight that you completely sold me. That sounds amazing. Oh, I can't wait to hear what you think of it. I, I like I said, not pretty to super pretty to look at, but fun. So, so fun. Oh, Christian, any other, have you played your quest recently or anything you want to add to that? I've been playing it, but it's the same games. I have started keeping my quest. Another thing I love about it, I keep it at the travel case. Yeah, it's $40, but I love it. Uh, I think it fits great in it and it works really well. I flew with it to Texas and now I hang it in my closet next to my suits. It's it's like on a hanger, <laughs> my whole VR. It's just like in there, there it is. Um, what I wanted to play, but I haven't, but this will be a VR PSA. There's a new Spider-Man tie-in freebie yeah. that's on everything but Quest, which means I needed to get my Anacondas out for my PSVR. Right. Uh, and I think it's just kind of swinging through a city. Um, I don't think it's that involved, but it's free, and I've downloaded it. I just haven't had a chance to play it. I haven't played it because I don't want to spoil anything for the movie, but uh, even even a chance of that, so I'm waiting for that. But the first one was was not good. The first they did no, it for the no, first Spider-Man not. movie. So, but I've heard this one's much better, so I am excited to try it too. Cool. All right, uh, well, that's going to do it for this episode of DLC. We do have parting gifts coming up, so stick around for that. But Brian Altano, thank you so much for being here, sir. It's been such a such a joy talking to you. Thank you guys for having me. I'm sorry it took so long. Uh, let's definitely do this again because you're both very wonderful, and I love talking about this stuff with you. Awesome. Yeah, definitely. Um, tell people where they can keep up with you and the myriad projects that you have going on. Um, let's see. Coming up, I'm writing and hosting a bunch of stuff for Comic-Con at IGN, so check that out. Um, I in the meantime, you can catch me on Nintendo Voice Chat, Podcast Beyond, and Up at Noon every week at IGN and on the side, uh, The Comedy Button, which is a weekly comedy show I do with a bunch of friends here in San Francisco, and I think that's about it. Yes, that's a, a ton, and it's, it's awesome. A, it's too much. <laughs> well, we're big fans of your content and uh and Thanks, so, man. Yeah, it's been so much fun. Hanging out with you. Um, Christian Spicer, what about you? What do you got going on this week? Uh, Twitter's the best way to keep in touch at Spicer. And then this show, um, I typically stream live on my Twitch, which is twitch.tv slash Christian Spicer. And then um, I think some other stuff you'll hear about soon. (laughs) I think maybe (laughs) you've heard about it. (laughs) Uh, So fun fun to be uncertain. about things but i you know there's fun stuff that we're doing (laughs) yeah yeah uh yeah twitter works isn't isn't that what sucks about being creative you're like i'm really excited about this if i tell people it it won't happen (laughs) yes (laughs) yes or maybe it's already happening and we don't know this is the best thing i've ever done what is it i cannot tell you because it will ruin everything exactly 
Well, uh, as for me, you can follow me on Twitter at Jeff Kanata, which is spelled with two N's and one T. Uh, I do a podcast about movies and TV shows called the Slash Filmcast, which you can find at slashfilmcast.com. This week, we're talking about the movie Yesterday, the new Danny Boyle movie, which I'm very excited to chat about. And uh, I'm also super proud of my new show, Dungeon Run. We just had our 10th episode. It's my live play Dungeons and Dragons show where I'm the dungeon master. Um, It is such a a source of pride for me. I, I think the cast and crew that we have on the show is second to none. And we're creating a really, really cool story. Um, I urge you to check out the YouTube, uh, of, of the show. Just look at the comments. Just look at the comments of YouTube. I don't usually tell people to look at YouTube comments. People are going bonkers for the show and I'm so proud of it. Um, so you can find that on YouTube. It's called the dungeon run. It's also available as an audio podcast, or you can watch us record it live and you can actually influence the story live Wednesday nights, 6 PM Pacific time on caffeine. You can find it at caffeine tv slash the dungeon run all right let's wrap the show up now with our parting gifts brian do you have a suggestion of something to help people get through their week um go see midsummer it's out Mm. in a few days it's terrifying and bleak and it's probably the most outdoors horror movie i've seen in a while it's just sort of drenched in sunlight it's really really scary and freaky and horrible so maybe that's uh you know worse than whatever you're dealing with (laughs) perfect from the same uh uh not in um what's his other movie hereditary yes yeah Yes, that's it, right? Yep, Hereditary. Yeah, yeah. which is also the same. It's like, uh, it, the best way I can describe uh, these films and the shorts he did too in school, it's like, it feels like bugs are crawling under your skin. Like It's just like uncomfortable. Yes. And <laughs> uh, every every decision made about it, I A feel like. But in, endorsement. In, in, <laughs> well, it's an intentional way, right? Like it's, it's intentional, yeah. Christian Spicer, what is your parting gift? Easy, simple. It's officially summer. It is hot here in Los Angeles. From now until Halloween, uh, Los Angeles is brutal. Um, and with that, I say to you, watermelon. Had some. I had some it. twenty minutes or twenty minutes before we started the show. I had some. Me too. It's so the baby ones, the big ones, with seeds, without seeds. You know, do your thing. I love watermelon so much. I love it all year, but especially now. Um, Watermelon juice. Do you do anything? Do you just eat it plain or do you do anything special? Any special watermelon recipe you have? I like adding a like a like a little spicy zesty like um like a spice mix to, to the top. Uh, what is it? A t- tahini sauce, something like that? Yeah. Yeah. yeah that Powder. is pretty great. Yeah. Um a little bit of salt, which is like <laughs> I eat too much of that anyway. We all probably do, but also it's pretty nice. And I'm a big fan of uh just I mean, it, you realize how quickly it, it goes away, but you just take a whole bunch of it. And if you have like a juicer or a blender and just pureeing it, mm. so delicious. And then you make it, freeze it as a popsicle. Any, basically, um, yes. <laughs> Love that. A simple, easy summer parting gift, watermelon. We have a listener submitted parting gift sent into dlcfeedback at gmail.com. This comes from Chris Snow from Salt Lake City, Utah, who says, I'm writing in to recommend that your listeners check out The Witcher novels by Andrzej Sapkowski. 
Boy. I'm sure I got that wrong. Uh, and speci- specifically, the audio version narr- narrated by Peter Kenny. Petar Kenny? <laughs> I got that wrong, too. <laughs> the books do an excellent job of making the world and people feel real and weighty, and the English translation from the original Polish feels very natural. The narrator brings a lot to the story as well, with excellent, distinct accents and voices for all of the characters. I played The Witcher 3 with no previous exposure to the Witcher universe, and while I feel like CD Projekt Red did a good job of filling in players on pertinent backstory, I can now say that after having listened to all the novels and short stories, I have a much deeper appreciation for and understanding of the characters and events of The Witcher 3. As a bonus recommendation, I also urge people to check out the Gwent spinoff, Thronebreaker, which tells a story set during the events of the novels whose quality is on par with some of the best side quests in Witcher 3. I feel like this game went under the radar and didn't get as much attention as it deserved, but it is definitely a hidden gem for anyone who enjoys card games or puzzles or who wants to spend more time in the world of The Witcher. Thanks for all you do and for the refreshing weekly dose of thoughtfulness and positivity. Thanks, Chris. Cool recommendation. I uh, talked about Thronebreaker on the show uh, and, and thought it was pretty cool. But um, yeah, I haven't I haven't tried those novels. So it's cool to know that the um, audiobook version is very good. All right, my uh, my parting gift, uh, as I said, we had friends in, in town and they wanted to go to Medieval Times. Uh, I don't know if everybody... Please tell me you didn't lose a thumb drive. (laughs) (laughs) That's a good callback. Uh, We went and uh, I haven't been, I hadn't been in 15 years to medieval times. I think the show is exactly the same (laughs) as the last time (laughs) I was there, but it's fun. The food is not great, but if medieval times is a dinner and show where you're, you know, brought back into medieval times and seeing a fantasy, a jousting tournament played out live with cool, uh, stage combat and fun horse tricks and actual jousting. And it's, it's a good fun. The, 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 uh, the big conceit of it is that each section in the auditorium is rooting for a specific night. And so your, your color based on your section roots for your night and uh, you get to cheer and, and wave flags and stuff. And we had a, we had a good old time. It's silly fun. Uh, And I was surprised to see there's like, 14 or 15 locations all around the U.S. of medieval times. So it's not just a Southern California thing anymore. Um, and I had a great time. I, you know, it's it's expensive, but, um, <laughs> but I recommend it. Uh, medieval times, if you haven't been, it's it's worth going. It's a big fun thing. My two and a half year old was so excited and then terrified and then excited again. So uh, Jeff, I, I grew up near a medieval times in New Jersey and I, I've been a few times as a kid and a few times as like a drunk adult. And <laughs> yeah. It is a very good time. The one in New Jersey, I don't know if it's like if this is a a regional thing or a or a, a actual countrywide thing, but they had a torture museum. Oh wow, no, yeah, yeah. I didn't don't have that in Southern California. <laughs> so it was sort of like a history of medieval torture devices. So they're like, hey, your show's starting in thirty minutes. If you want to walk through this tunnel that has nightmarish objects that were <laughs> used in real life to tear people limb from limb, you can do that, and then we'll feed you and you can drink and yell at the knights. And we we're like. Okay, that's a lot, but sure. <laughs> yeah, the, it was an odd thing. I'd paid attention to the story this time much more than I normally do. And there's like they make a whole thing. There's a site not to spoil the story, but there's a section where one of the knights wants to end the life of someone he defeated and they let the audience decide and the audience is like murder him i was like that is dark man it's super dark uh but yeah you know i thought it was uh it was pretty good and the the fight the fighting choreography is really pretty well done good stuff 
All right. That's going to do it for this episode of DLC. Thanks again to Brian Altano and Christian Spicer for hanging out with me. Thanks to all the folks in our chat room for hanging out with us live, making the show better in real time. We appreciate you. Uh, thanks to our musical contributors, Matt, Patrick L., Sean Madigan, and Zero Star for making those cool bumpers. And thank you to all of you who listen. We appreciate you, and we'll be back next week. Until then, think about what you put out into the world. Make it a better place.